you're listening to Fully You Podcast. This podcast is about making you feel good and living a fulfilling, abundant lifestyle. Making a living from living fully you. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to today's podcast episode, which is all about shining light on sexual abuse. Yes, so a lot of um, women and men in this world experience sexual abuse. It's not something that's spoken about because it brings up so much guilt and blame and we don't want people's pity, so we don't speak about it. Um, but today we have bring on an expert in the field. Uh, she's called Bobby Jo. She is from England. She is amazing. And I just wanted to take this opportunity to speak about sexual abuse and how it impacts our ability to really move into our purpose and calling in this lifetime because it destroys our sense of self-worth and therefore it is essential to actually heal that uh, trauma so we can move forwards in life and do what we're here to do. So I am excited to introduce you Bobby Joe, who is an award-winning certified trainer and master practitioner of hypnotherapy, NLP, emotional freedom technique and life coaching. She has over 20 years experience in the field of mental health and well-being and is a founder of a private practice in Hampshire, England. It's called Hampshire Hypnotherapy Clinic. And she's working with clients worldwide, so both face-to-face -face and internationally through the intra-web. And she specializes in a range of issues, but today we will really look into the topic of sexual abuse. So I must say, it's not an easy one to talk about. <laughs> it's, no one wants to talk about social abuse, it's so heavy, uh, but it's definitely worth talking about, right? Because we don't want to dwell in that uh, guilt, you know, break free from that. And it's, it's you don't want to talk about it with everyone because I know if, if you've been through that yourself, you don't want that pity, right? No one wants to have pity from others. So it's very hard to actually talk about abuse. Um, but I've actually met Bobby Joe on a mastermind uh, that I was a part of last year and earlier this year. And we connected on a call. We didn't expect it at all. I didn't know any of her background, but we happened to start talking about sexual abuse. And that triggered in myself this huge breakthrough because I hadn't ever really spoken about my own story. And in speaking with her, it just like was like, wow, okay. So I thought we need to have a podcast interview so we can share and shine light on this topic. So welcome, Bobby Joe. <laughs> ah, thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. A real kind of pleasure and privilege. And it was a, a real privilege actually to be a part of that moment with you, Diane, where there was a big breakthrough that happened. And, and that was lovely to beautiful to be a part of and like you said completely unexpected neither of us we were just kind of catching up for a chat and to get to know each other a bit better so yeah there's those divine encounters in life and um you're one of them so <laughs> yeah thank you and um you know from i mean today we're really going to talk about um, the whole baggage that comes with uh, sexual abuse and how it impacts our self-worth and self-confidence to do what we're here to do as a in our purpose and calling in life uh, and then we'll also talk about how to over like heal that problem so how to address it from a physical um, perspective as well as a psychological and spiritual perspective so it's healing all around and we're going to touch base on all of these today so if you have uh, gone through abuse or you know someone who's gone through abuse, this is um, definitely worth your time listening to this today. So let's begin. <laughs> yeah, so tell us more about, about you and your experience, you know, over the last 20 years of working with women around um, that topic of sexual abuse and how it, it actually impacts their, their life. Like what are some you know, signs or symptoms or how does it show up in their life um, on a day-to-day -day basis? So it has, I think it still potentially continues to be an underestimated problem in terms of how many people are impacted by it, which is actually incredibly sad. But the more we can um, feel that we can talk, speak out about it um, and kind of feel that we're listened to, we're understood um, and that the 
the people who need help are able to access that help, that can only be a good thing. So, so I really am grateful for being here today and being having the opportunity to talk about this really important topic. Uh, so my career started, um, and I, I'm not going to go into detail, but I did a degree in psychology and counselling, which uh, got me fascinated with human behaviour, um, and I then actually really enjoyed the criminal psychology aspect of that degree. So I left, I thought I wanted to be a counsellor, I actually left and I became a probation officer um, in England. So that meant that I worked with a range of people who had committed offences. So it's fascinating for me because I worked with both areas, so to speak. I worked with people who had committed sexual offences um, and gone before the court. And I also worked with people who were victims of sexual offences who had perhaps come to me for other criminal behaviour because um, some people who have been sexually abused, be it as children or adults, uh, one of the impacts is that um, they can go into that kind of down that criminal behaviour path. Um, so it was fascinating to kind of get an understanding as to both. Um, and so, yeah, so I, then I um, discovered subconscious work um, through kind of a bit of a personal discovery of myself. And then I went into the field of uh, working with people from a subconscious viewpoint using hypnotherapy, neurolinguistic programming and EFT. Um, and I think that actually it's definitely not a one size fits all when it comes to help. It's and I think also the help that you want at different stages can evolve. Um, so it's definitely about finding what works for you. Um, but just to go back to how how many people have been affected by it and um, and the impact that it can have. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting that you've had experience of working with the victims and the abusers. And I remember in our last conversation, there's this one thing you mentioned uh, to me, which was really wow is. Um, because obviously guilt is a, it's a massive issue that we have as a result of this uh, sexual abuse. It's like, oh my God, it's totally my fault and I should have, I could have. And then people around you don't necessarily believe what you're saying. You don't even want to open up. And when you do sort of look at you like, are you just making this up? You know, you're just some drama queen who makes it up. Or, you know, is it like, it must be your fault. It takes two to tango. You know, there's always this sort of blame. And so, uh, and then there's also different levels of abuse, right? There's, you know, some younger people who actually uh, just get, touch and just get touched, get touched. And they're like, well, should I report that? Because I was touched inappropriately. Uh, some actually get full on abuse and then they feel so like, oh my gosh, I should never talk about it. I'd rather die than speak up about it. And because obviously sex is such a sacred experience. Um, and it's like on a spiritual perspective, you know, through sexual encounters, like I believe we form this really deep layer of bond with someone, right? It's this soul tie that gets formed. And so now suddenly you have a, a soul tie with an abuser <laughs> and so you're like how to deal with it and so we need to seek help and speak up about it uh, because you can definitely uh, destroy you know um, our sense of identity but uh, what I really find interesting speaking to you last time is what helped like, overcome that guilt was just said well those abusers are perfect extreme manipulators they're just so good at manipulating making you think it's your fault making you think that it's all your fault you know it's and so you don't want to speak you really truly believe deep inside it's completely your fault and even if it is your fault it's fine you know it's just well how do I deal with it and this is you know the point is okay it is my fault or it's not my fault at the end of the day how do I deal with the situation but can you shine a bit more light uh, on the abuses and um, just because you know we don't want to be that sort of species that wins the winner I mean that person must be wounded as well and you know we don't want to sort of beat them up they're already beaten up that's why they're acting that way can you shine some light on the abuser itself like why are there such manipulators and what even like gets them to do that to someone um it's really interesting because you have um we talked about it kind of if I put my probation hat on from we talk about it minimization denial and blame so you will have people who will blame the victims and that's the kind of way of deflecting responsibility she wanted it or she asked for it or they did because obviously men can be victims as well just as much as women um, and then people who completely point blank deny it because actually to admit it would there's too much loss involved 
Um, so if they admit it, it may be that they then lose their family or, uh, or a job, a whole host of things. And then you have people who will minimize, well, I did do it, but um, I wouldn't have done it had she not have said X, Y, and Z or whatever it is. Um, often um, there are a range of contributory factors that lead towards someone's offending. So they tend to be particularly, I'm talking about people who sexually offend against children. They tend to be, they can be quite socially isolated um, in the sense of connection with people. That doesn't mean to say that they might not have lots of people that they know because they are, they do tend to be very good at um, kind of charming people. That's where the grooming aspect comes in um, and manipulating people, but uh, they tend, they can have struggled to form real emotional bonds with adults. Um, and I'm talking particularly one, around the ones that have a sexual preference for children. Um, so they find that they get their emotional needs met more from children but often this stems from things that have happened to them in childhood. Sometimes, sadly, that cycle of abuse can continue. So someone who has been abused goes on to abuse. That's not always the case. Um, so a, lot, a few things really that contribute towards it. And I think very much what helps me understand, um, so it feels relevant to bring it in. I actually had um, an eating disorder, that was my sign of abuse for years, but I, my memories were stored in my subconscious, which is where all our memories are stored. And my subconscious was protecting me from them. It was kind of saying, my subconscious mind was saying, this is gonna to be too much if you remember this now. So it was only when I was much, I was 32, when I actually remembered what had happened to me as a child. And that's when I became fascinated by this powerful subconscious mind. Wow, it stored all this for me and gave it to me when it knew I was ready. Um, so, but I needed to understand what contributes towards someone's offending. And I think what really helped me was that probation officer background because I was able to come at it from a much more human element in that, and, and some of them are completely mortified by what they've done and can't believe that they would have actually done that to a child. Um, but it helped me realize exactly what you said, Dan, uh, Deanne, like they're, they're, they're wounded souls themselves. Um, and I don't think anyone would, that's not to justify what they do. Uh, so we're not saying that what they do is right. What we're saying is that there are factors that contribute, but nothing can ever make abuse right towards anyone. Um, and I think just going back to something you said as well, Deanne, that we kind of need to raise more awareness around actually any behavior whereby you have not consented um, to have any kind of sexual contact is is inappropriate and whether you want to call it just inappropriate or abuse doesn't really matter it's this is our body and, and we are uh, you know it's, it's our entitlement and right to give people permission as to who uh, as to what we um consensually engage with yeah so i mean you, you just mentioned like you just came back to, in time as well so would you say that because it's such a traumatic uh, event you know when it happens in in childhood that you put it in like this drawer to protect yourself from the hurt and then you don't even know that that's what happened because i know like in, in therapy some of my clients during the regressions they're like oh well, hang on what happened there was our abuse and so because it's a regression you know it's not a, a proven fact it's just a memory and any memory is partly also imagination. And so it's hard to, to, you know, obviously take someone to court because of a memory as such. The question is, how does the, why does the mind block these memories out and why will they suddenly come back? Can you comment on that? Um, the, so the subconscious mind, it has its prime, like most important function is our survival. And if it thinks that there is something, so it stores everything, it's our powerhouse, it stores our skills, our memories, our habits, every experience we've ever had. But if it thinks it's something that is gonna be too much, that is gonna impact on your survival at that moment in time, it will hold it. And it'll just say that you're not having that right now because it, it's kind of like our best friend, it knows what's best for us. And that's why I just thought this is incredible because my mind went, no, I, you're not having it. You've got to, and it was any childhood abuse, any abuse is traumatic. Um, and so trauma um, 
our mind can store it so that and actually the reason it came back to me later was because I was um, in a secure settled job I was um, happily married at the time I'd been in a long-term relationship and it was almost like I was at a point in my life where although I was stressed and I was um, working through some things it was I was safe I was safe I was secure I was comfortable um, so if it was going to give it back to me at any point that would have been the time to do it and I had a good support network around me we're going to go on to some um, tips kind of later or just some recommendations but having a good support network is so in, so hugely important um, and so it just said actually and also I was eager I wanted to understand what happened with me I'd read this coaching question and it said imagine you're 90 years old what do you want to be remembering so what memories do you need to be making now and I thought I don't want to remember an eating disorder and that day I was done I, I said goodbye to it that was it. I didn't want it anymore. I wanted more for my life than what the negative consequences of that eating disorder. And that's when I started to have a few memories from childhood come back. And that's when I got kind of my first one. I had a, a, a spell of a few that came back around abuse in childhood. Um, so I was eager. I was hungry for, um, for a better life. Um, so I think that that's me personally why those came back. Uh, but it, it it is something about our survival. And there are people who, who perhaps have been abused as children and will have signs of it, be that mental health issues or substance abuse issues, but are never fully ready. Their subconscious mind will say, actually, this is gonna be too much. You're better off not knowing and dealing with what you are dealing with than me giving this to you because it may be that they don't, I was very fortunate when I got mine, I'd had my psychology background, I'd done a lot of CBT throughout my career, so I had lots of tools kind of at my fingertips, but not everyone's that fortunate, and and the subconscious mind will go, be too much, so, so some people will perhaps potentially um, pass away without knowing fully whatever happened to them, but that's their mind working best for them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for example, if someone's sitting there and they have a vague memory and they're not quite ready to talk about it because they don't have any clear facts, what would you um, recommend to them to do if they're not even sure if it was, uh, was it really sexual abuse? Uh, was it just touching? Was it just my imagination? Um, I was too young to remember really what happened. Or maybe I did give my consent, but I wasn't really ready for, I didn't really know. It's like, the consent was, the consent I gave wasn't really what I you know, expected. You know, like, how would you help someone who's like, was it really my fault or was it not my fault? Or what happened, what didn't happen? Because um, it's easy for us humans to look for something or someone to blame, you know, like, oh, okay, well, I don't have self-confidence. I don't have self-worth. I'm not having the relationship I want. Therefore, it must be that I had sexual abuse and blame it on that. It's easy to find this sort of, something to blame than to take responsibility for you know where we're at in life and dealing with hardship so there's two things one is how do we know for sure um, what happened and if, it, if we don't know how to deal with it so how to deal with the memory and second um, not just blaming the abuse you know like how do what how do we take responsibility for whatever we go through uh, if we're doubting of what happened? I think it really good questions. And I think for the first one, it's about how whatever that event was is impacting on us. And if it's something that's causing us confusion or we're not sure, then talk to someone about it. Talk to someone, a trusted person, seek help. Um, and, and it's about kind of the the... So something that might be abusive to one person might not be abusive to another, but it's about how we, we experience that behavior and what comes from it as a result. So am I left with guilt from it? Am I left with confusion? Am I left with anger? Have I got things that I'm doing in my life that are unhelpful that I want to stop that I think might be linked to this in some way, be it um, substance use or or be it an eating disorder or, or, or whatever it is, depression, suicidal thoughts, anxiety. 
So it's so it's more, I think, personally about the impact that it's having on you. Um, and there's some wonderful work. I think all therapies have their place. My passion now is working with the subconscious mind because I think that things can be shifted so much more quickly. Um, but actually, a um, we have to be careful here. If someone's going through a court process and isn't sure about a memory, we can't take them to that memory um, because when court processes are out, as a, court processes are outstanding, it's not appropriate to do that. Uh, the, the court process needs to be dealt with so that it can't be claimed that the hypnotherapist is imprinting memories into someone's mind. So I just want to kind of add that there if anyone is, is thinking that um, they may want help, but there may be a process outstanding. Um, but actually, there's some very, because the subconscious mind houses all of our memories, literally, we can just put someone into hypnosis and a good hypnotherapist will never lead a memory, will um, ask open questions around the memory, like what is happening? Is anybody else there? How old are you? So that that person can establish more facts about that memory. Um, and then you can do some beautiful healing. So you can, because we have to remember that how we view things now and the skills and resources we have now are very different from what we had or could be quite fairly different from what we had when whatever event it was happened. Uh, so we tend to look back on it with quite a judgmental, self-critical stance. I should have done that, or I, I, I should have spoken up sooner, or, but actually we didn't have everything that we have now back then. Um, so there's a beautiful, uh, some beautiful work you do in hypnotherapy where you get the client as the adult they are now to go back to that younger them and just tell that younger them whatever it is they, they need to hear give them whatever it is that they need just to do that healing we call it inner child work um and it's 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 beautifully powerful because it's you as the person you are now healing yourself from within and healing that younger version of you um there's lots and lots you can do around guilt and so on to shift those things as well um so I think that's answered the first part. Just remind me, Deanna, the second part. I could talk about this subject for hours, honestly, so don't let me <laughs> rein me in. Yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I think you're totally right. The hypnotherapy helps with the processing of the memory and being like, okay, well, um, it's also about shifting perspectives and reminding yourself that, you know, you're not stuck. Because when trauma happens, it sort of splits your your being in different bits. And so it's about calling that soul back into to restore now. I mean, as, as Christians, we believe that healing only comes from God, right? So it's this, how can we heal in terms of processing the information? I think there's a part of healing that happens as we understand what happened, talk about it and see it in new light. But there's also this part of healing through spiritual healing, which we might talk about later. But it's interesting how this, it's a combination of approaches that really help to, to process what happened. Um, the second question uh, I was asking you was, and I can't even remember. <laughs> you want me to help? It was about responsibility. That's right. Yeah, that's it. That's right. Um, so we can feel particularly, in fact, no, I'm not going to say particularly if we've been abused as children. I think I don't think it matters the age. We can take a lot of personal responsibility on board ourselves. And I think the first step in terms of healing is that no abuse is the fault of the victim. Um, it, it just can't be. So it's placing the responsibility where it rightly, rightfully belongs. Um, so that's one thing. And there's a process that people will often go through that I see with my clients where often when they first come, they feel very guilty because they're holding that responsibility themselves. I did something wrong in some way. Um, I Perhaps I didn't um, say no enough or whatever it is. Or um, And when we release that guilt, what can happen is that people hit anger. Actually, anger is a very healthy part of the process because we're we're working through those emotions, um, but it's what we then do with that anger. Um, and then there are tools, techniques, things we can do in sessions to let go of that anger. If the client wants it, always client led. Um, so, so the responsibility is never on us. However, the responsibility for our healing is ours because no one can heal us. I know obviously with your spiritual um, background, Deanne, 
um obviously i know that you would say that god can heal us and i'm sure there are lots of people that believe that there's a lot of stuff that we need to do ourselves to get us to a better place um spiritually emotionally physically and that is our responsibility um and actually there's something empowering about that we can't change what happened to us but we can change how it impacts on the rest of our lives and we can choose to not allow it to define us that's totally right i totally agree with you and as christians even though you know we completely say god can heal us it also comes down to our free will you know to shift out of that victim mindset and into the freedom mindset because i mean as christians we believe in this battle for our souls we believe in this spiritual warfare between good and evil and obviously we are spiritual beings in in this human form and therefore we are living in this world with a body and you know christians believe that there's this darkness that comes to steal uh destroy and kill right so sexual abuse is one of those ways that this impacts someone's relationship to god make them think why well, this is so unfair well if there was a god why would god allow this to happen to me you know like if god loved me why would he have allowed sexual abuse to happen to me and so it really makes people question their faith even what happens in some religious institutions with a child abuse that to me has nothing to do with god yeah it doesn't matter if it's a religious institution or not uh, this is not of god this is the enemy using um people in power to really destroy people's faith in god and, you know, as Christians, we believe that, you know, we can heal from that um, because, you know, Jesus paid the price for us all. So we can lay it to his feet and therefore declare healing because otherwise we can go on a lifetime blaming our past for our failures today. <laughs> and so it's, it's this faith that allows us to be like, hang on, this is what happened. I'm going to do it. Like you said, you know, take responsibility for our healing make a choice through the power of her free will to be like, okay, I'm going to seek a therapist. I'm going to talk about this. I may need to look back through a regression, through hypnotherapy or other visualizations, or I might not want to do that, but just process the trauma and really allow it to, to feel it so we express it and then shift the perception away from it's just my fault. Maybe it is your fault. If it may, I still think what happened to me was my fault, 100%. But it doesn't matter because I'm like, well, okay, it was my fault. Done. Okay, now what? How am I gonna deal with it? <laughs> I'm taking responsibility for my mistakes. Done. How I'm gonna continue living my life? That is, you know, something that I see. Oh my God, please give me the power and the strength to restore my soul, to restore my identity, to um, heal my mind and body, to actually use the potential He's given me and live that fully. And you know build up that self-worth through God and build up that love inside and that ability to connect to others without those walls of fear of, oh my God, I can't trust people because they're going to abuse me, you know? And then, and then I guess in, in, in my stories, you know, it was really around this broken promise. I was promised something, then I got abused. And so it maybe questions God's promise upon my life. And so it deeply impacted my relationship to God and life because I was like, hang on, my promises were broken and therefore I don't trust anything in anyone you know like on a deep level subconscious level and that's what you really helped me understand that broken promise bit and so I don't care if it was my fault or not my fault the important thing is I realized the impact of that abuse was the broken promise and now not believing in God's promise upon my life and so understanding that I was like oh god of course I oh my god I'm not gonna let that person who abused me take away the the gifts god has on the table for me you know like i'm worthy of this he's given i'm only wor as worthy as you know he sees me to be and so if he's giving me those gifts i want to take them and i want to go and live my life fully you know not just in this victim mindset but in this freedom mindset of i'm here for a reason and i'm totally gonna empower my like allow god to empower me to do that right because i have a role to play and i'm not gonna let any abuser get in the way of that because that would be deeply unjust <laughs> totally yeah so yeah i think i think there's a place for faith and there's a place for for therapy and so yeah i'd love to get your 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 input as well and what would you say from how you've helped over the last 20 years women or men overcome that abuse so what are some basic um healing from abuse for dummies 101 like tips you know like how to start 
I think that, so what happens when um, someone is abused, when you experience a traumatic event is that the, um, the, the body has a surge of adrenaline that rushes through and it's imprinted onto the amygdala and the amygdala kind of is a part of our limbic system. And the limbic system um, kind of is responsible for our behavioral and emotional responses. So what we find is that we can be hypersensitive for a period of time and we can startle easily. And that's just because of the impact on our limbic system from trauma. Um, so first off, one of the main things I would attempt to do certainly with when I was a probation officer and now is we want people feeling as safe as possible so that that limbic, that amygdala isn't constantly firing all the time because we already are gonna be on a heightened level of awareness. So safety paramount. Um, there's also things about calming that limbic system down. And this is where people will get into the likes of yoga, meditation, uh, perhaps prayer, um, just to sort of try and bring those, those hypersensitive, hypervigilant levels down. Um, key, I think establishing a good support network, that was vital for me at the beginning. So people that you can talk to. Um, it, one thing I know we spoke about, it's very different, difficult when we are not believed as victims and that will come up because people have their own experiences and their own perceptions. Um, and sometimes in order to believe something, particularly if you can't prove anything, that can be quite difficult for people. Um, so that's kind of a process of acceptance and just believing in yourself. And actually whether people believe me or not, I know that I trust me, I believe me. So there's something about kind of being kind and gentle and, and affirming to yourself. Um, but one key thing, if um, for those that listen who have experienced abuse, um, a, a lot of people will have signs or symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, so that is when we can have anxiety, panic attacks, depression, um, and also can have what we call flashbacks. So we are experiencing what happened then as if it's in the here and now. So we will have the same emotions. We may have the same bodily responses. Um, and I remember one of the first things that I was spoken to about was grounding techniques, which is just about using your senses. It's, it's kind of like mindfulness, if people won't know what that is, using your senses to bring you into the present. So if I was doing, um, doing grounding now, I would be looking around me at different colours. What can I see in my environment? What can I see outside? What colours the sky? What can I hear? What can I feel? What am I sat on? What can you know, feeling the, the texture on my jumper? What can I taste? What can I smell? So it's just using your senses to bring you into the present moment so that it doesn't feel like you're stuck in that past trauma. Um, and one of the kind of mantras that I used to use at the time was that was then, this is now. That was then, this is now. I'm safe now. That was then, this is now. Um, so grounding, really important. Um, and uh, a lot of the women that have come to me who have been abused as children, one thing I will say to them, they will say, why is it that my body responds in an aroused way when I'm having a flashback? Or why was I as aroused as a child? I didn't want what happened to me, yet I, there was a part of me that was aroused and enjoyed it, but, but, that, but I didn't enjoy it. And it, there's this whole confusion and guilt and, and people can feel really kind of disgusted at themselves. Um, and the, the way I kind of talk to people about that is that actually your body did what it knew to do best because when certain areas of us are stimulated, our brain goes, ah, I need to send out these neurotransmitters of pleasure because that's what I'm supposed to do when this area. And so that's what it does. It sends those pleasure responses to those areas, um, which is what it was designed to do in the first place. So it's just our body working perfectly in the way it was supposed to. And I think that's a really key message because a lot of clients struggle with that. And it's actually, let's remove that disgust. No, your, your body did what it was designed to do. And you still, it doesn't mean that you enjoyed it or that you wanted it on any level. It was your body being, doing its job for you. Um, so that's kind of was one important one I wanted to um, talk about. And also I think know that 
the going back to the greatest thing we have is survival so uh, and we panic don't we oh what if I tell them and they don't believe or what's going to happen if I tell someone or if I try and get out of you know for people who are perhaps experiencing it in a, in a relationship even still today if I try and get out of this what's going to happen to me am I going to be hurt even more so we will use the skills knowledge resources we have at that time to keep us surviving and that might not be in the way that we want to but it's it's what we have available at the time so you will be doing the best job that you can do right now with what you have available um so it's again it's kind of removing that guilt around well why did I stay with that person for so long if it is abuse in a relationship sexual abuse in a relationship because you were surviving um so I think one of the greatest things about is about being kind and compassionate to ourselves and talking to ourselves in a way that we would talk to a best friend what would you say to your best friend if they came to you with this story what would how would you want them to be left feeling and give yourself that same kindness, that same compassion? Thank you for sharing this. <laughs> it is interesting what you said as well, like in, uh, in the clients I've, I've worked with before who have been through sexual abuse in their childhood, some have said that they were being abused and knew it was wrong, but they didn't speak up because they were so lonely as kids that it was the only way they could connect with an adult was through that sexual abuse. I mean, that sounds horrible and totally messed up, but that is the way it was for them. That could, because obviously sex brings this connection. And if you are so lonely, and usually from what I've noticed is abusers, they pick on those kids who have, who don't have, you know, much, who are sort of like the, the lonely sheep and then a wolf comes and eats it, right? So it is this, if you don't have that support network as a, as a child, no one to connect to, you may actually feel connection with your abuser. And that's why, you know, sometimes you don't, they don't speak up about it because it's the only connection they can get. And that really impacts their psyche growing up because like, hang on, I knew I was abused, I didn't say, and that destroys their guilt. And it totally, um, yeah, kills their self-esteem, obviously particularly in a familial environment if it's if it's a family member there are huge dynamics that come with that um and and it becomes our secret our special secret or remember you're my special person so there are different or actually if you do say something no one will believe you anyway so there are lots of different methods that are used um and we haven't really covered we've spoken a little bit about the impact but um just quickly it can impact on every area of someone's life down to how you feel about yourself, how you think, relationships. So some people struggle to maintain relationships because of those trust issues that we spoke about. Um, so that it, it literally can be across the board jobs. You know, people can sometimes struggle to hold down secure work because of the impact. Um, it really can have a huge impact. Um, so I guess if anyone's listening who has experienced it and and is struggling in different areas of their life, it may link back to um, that abuse. Um, but just know again that it's not your fault, but you can, um, there are things that are out there to help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally, yeah, thank you for saying that. Now it is true because obviously self-confidence is a huge one to you know, master our life and self-confidence is built on self-love, self-belief, self-worth and sexual abuse destroys self-worth, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, definitely. If anyone's out there feeling like their self-confidence could use boost, then sexual abuse is one aspect to to bring into the light. Um, and I mean, as a Christian, we talk about the soul and those different layers of the soul. And sexual abuse is obviously one of those layers, and it can be healed, right? It can be. Um, I mean, from a neuroscientific point of view. It's, uh, it created this massive trauma, uh, but then we can renew our mind to um, yeah, upgrade how we perceive our self-identity uh, in this world and how we position ourselves in this world and with others, our relationship to others. And, and I, th I think in this healing process, uh, a major uh, thing to be aware of when we go through it is as we start speaking about it to family, for example, 
uh, loved ones in particular, and they don't know how to deal with it because they're not therapists, they're not coaches, they're not, they're not God, they're just humans as well. And they have their own baggage, possibly even baggage of abuse that they never spoke about themselves. So they don't actually know how to deal with it. And because they love you, they don't actually know they feel like they need to take, they want to help you and they have this responsibility to help you, but they just don't know how to do it. So instead of dealing with it as a therapist would, they just say, well, of course it's your fault. It's their first response is to push away that baggage because it's too hard to handle for them because they love you and they don't know how to be there for you the way you need to because they don't have that training. <laughs> and so I find that just intensifies that betrayal of, hang on, I just open up to the person the people I love, you know, like parents or siblings, partners, and then they just push it back and say like, well, it's your fault anyway. And then you're like, oh my God, you know, bit betrayal, betrayal, alarms going off. And yeah, have you noticed that to be uh, something that comes up with your clients that they've spoken to about it and then it threw them back into another dark hole of guilt? It can, sadly, it can happen. And I think that there can be many reasons for that. Um, sometimes, particularly if someone has been abused in childhood and the parents weren't aware, um, for parents to take that on board and, and fully believe, then what they take on board as well, and I'm not saying they should, but this is what they, they can, is a huge sense of guilt. Why did, why did I not protect my child? Um, and actually, you know, some, some abusers are very good at grooming, are very manipulative, and, and there's no way they could know, um, you know, any family member or, or person in their family. Um, but that's a huge thing to, for someone to undertake. But unfortunately, what can happen is that it almost create, can create this re-victimization. Um, like, actually, it's, it's hurt me enough that it happened, but then not to be believed about it when I finally um, had the courage to speak up about it. But I think, again, I kind of do this when I talk about it, like responsibility. It's that's their stuff. And I mean that with compassion. That's that's due to whatever they've got going on for them. That's not about you. So that's not that you're not trustworthy. That's not that it didn't happen. That's not that no one will believe you. Um, it's because whatever they've got going on for them is too much. Um, so, so it's just putting it back, right? Okay, it's too much and trying to find some level of understanding if you can as to why they have responded in the way that they have. Um, and this is where professional help can come, um, can be really useful is that we do believe. Um, it's, it's much more difficult for family and friends to believe if they um, either can't due to whatever's going on for them. But as professionals, we can remain impartial, we are objective, um, and we will always work with what a client brings to us. So, uh, but the other thing I was going to say, Deanne, is if someone is not in a position right now, if someone's listening and they're not ready to talk to family and friends about it, or they're not ready to seek professional help, um, one thing that you, I started doing right at the beginning was just writing things down um, as they came to me, even if it made no sense at the beginning. I just started writing down thoughts, feelings, um, and if you have a memory um, and you felt able to, bear in mind, it would start to open you up, uh, but you could write to that younger version of you and just give her all the love, compassion that she needs or he needs. Um, but sometimes there's something so cathartic about just getting what's going on here and here onto paper and just starting that process. There are also actually, I've only got three here. I've, I've got three books here that I found really helpful. They are all for um, people who are abused as children, um, but you've got The Courage to Heal, which is a brilliant one. Then also Breaking Free, that's Help for Survivors of Child Abuse. And then you've got Rescuing the Inner Child, um, but I can send you links for those, but those are all brilliant, but there's lots of self-help books out there as well. So don't feel, even if you're not ready to talk to people, there's, there's stuff out there for you. Yes, definitely. 
I totally agree and thank you for sharing. And I think, you know, some people need a physical healing of it, of actually being able to receive pleasure again or letting go in that sexual experience in with a loving relationship. Some need the healing on a soul level where they feel like their soul's been uh, broken. And when we have, and as Christians believe, when we have a sexual relationship with someone, it's almost like a layer of the soul goes of the person and you take on a layer of their soul. So there needs to be this sort of... Um, taking back authority over your soul and declaring healing to, um, you know, through Jesus Christ to actually restore your soul and call back the parts of you that has been uh, left uh, through that um, traumatic event. And then there's this whole spiritual healing where, um, you know, what we feed our mind is sort of um, then also impacts our, our, our spirit and that spiritual realm. So really restoring all of that so we can move back into a place of being empowered, having hope, having faith, and being open again to the world and relationships around us, and having healthy relationships with people. <laughs> um, and I'd love to actually get your, your input on that. Like, how do you feel like someone who's been sexually abused, how does it impact their, their love relationships with partner? Um, I think it, I think it varies actually across the board. Some people feel like they don't want to engage on an intimate sexual level at all, whereas um, some people can engage in kind of more high risk sexual behaviors. Um, it can be more difficult to trust, um, certainly. Um, and just to be fully open. Um, so sometimes, particularly if people recall fully later and they're already with their partner, what what am I going to do with that? Do I tell them? Do I not? Um, but they all can be um, healed and resolved in their own ways. And I think also with relationships, there's the dynamics about that relationship, aren't there? So I have some clients where they will address an issue um, that's arising from their abuse in one way with their partner, whereas another couple will decide on doing something else. But that's what works for the dynamics of their relationships. Um, but some people, sadly, um, the, the, to trust someone is to, there's a vulnerability in trust, isn't there? And it's to allow yourself to become very vulnerable. And that can be very, very scary for people. Uh, so some people will really struggle to maintain healthy relationships or will have actually re-victimization relationships where we think that's all we're worth. Uh, so we, we may enter into another abusive relationship or... Um, but it's to know that actually the it all starts. Um, and obviously, I know in terms of your spiritual background as well with God, but it all starts with you as well. So if you can start to heal what's going on for you, that will have that knock on positive impact on your ability to either sustain relationships on your current or on your current relationship or on entering into a relationship in the first place. It's that kind of healing from within. Um, yeah, perfect. Yeah, I personally, I find that, like you say, I think here on a spiritual level, like for me, like this whole, because, you know, I've obviously I've been in this whole hypnotherapy and rapid transformational therapy and all these different techniques, uh, new age techniques of healing. And they are definitely, they have their place in processing trauma and all, all that. Uh, yet it very much goes back always to childhood and parents and so forth. And what's helped me in my healing process, because I spent years of therapy and this and that, and I was introduced to hypnotherapy actually in my 20s to resolve that actually situation around that, what happened to me. And so it hadn't actually helped. But I realized that when I shifted my perception and was like, hang on. So instead of putting like this, being this victim of um, parental relationships that could have been or should have been or what they, you know, it's like this, hang on actually I'm a child of God so it takes away that weight on my parents of being you know should have or could have and puts it on to God and be like hang on uh, technically I leave it up to my spiritual father to sort of um, you know bring that nurturing that love that care that healing because I think God can really step into our lives in that brokenness and those kind of things sometimes happen to us when we're destroyed and broken and people are like I don't want to be broken why and they want to get out of it but it's this moment of hang on, if you are right now feeling broken in your life, feeling destroyed, feeling this little and feeling like nothing's working for you, then 
this is an opportunity to actually open up to God and be like, hang on, you know, come into my life and heal my heart. You know, like men bring the light, bring the peace, bring the love, shine all those brokenness into the light and heal it, you know, and truly use that brokenness to make me anew through you, what you have called me to do, who you want, who you've created me to be, make me in you and i think this prayer is so powerful that then suddenly you start noticing those changes you start noticing grace in your life you start noticing those little miracles of suddenly you're able to forgive in the blink of an eye suddenly you're letting go of anger issues suddenly you have more confidence because you're drawing that confidence from a way higher place than these earthly achievements right because it's drawn on a solid spiritual um bank of grace and love and peace <laughs> joy and all of that so i think there's if you know if you're listening out there and you're feeling destroyed and you don't understand why life is so unjust and why it's all happening to you then i would say one um see god <laughs> i always start with spirit soul body so see god you know to heal you on that sort of emotional spiritual level then look into your soul because sometimes we create soul ties we've heard from the past and then we keep attracting the same sort of uh, abuse because we haven't resolved that conflict and a physical level yes you know there's lots of ways to explore our sensuality not just through sex but also coming into our body in new ways embracing our body embracing uh, who we are as a woman or man um, in different ways not just through sex you can really connect to yourself and others on many different multiple levels and even like you said you know through breath work through sports through um, the way you nurture yourself and that relationship with your body so and it and this constant forgiveness of if you have flashbacks what i would suggest to do is just to keep praying about it you know whenever flashbacks like lord please take that away like, heal that part of me you know this is coming up for a reason heal that for me like it's i want to put this into the light i'm done hiding with it it's too heavy for me to carry it's not mine to carry I want to release that. I want to, you know, break free from that burden. And I feel like that really helps. It's an ongoing process. Uh, like you said, you know, we're only ready to, we want, things only come back when we're ready to deal with it, when we have that spiritual maturity to actually embrace the hurt and what happened. And then, then we're able to deal with it. But it's this ongoing journey of healing <laughs> and living and being. And yeah, I think it's, it's um, instead of being a victim of it, it's like, okay, well, how can I use that to rise up to who I truly am? Because I'm not going to let that person define me because God's created me for something way greater than being a victim. And that was it. I just said through our greatest crumble. So with uh, the students that I train, we call it, um, a lot of us call it up-leveling, uh, which you'll have seen across online but through our greatest crumbles comes our greatest rise when we kind of have to reach into the depths of within our soul our mind spirituality we come up again so much stronger than before so much more ready for all that life has in store mm -hmm. yeah so that's what we need to feed our minds with this hope this faith this you know love and peace and joy so that we can be that lotus coming out of the swamp right because it's like, what do we choose to feed? And this is, again, comes down to, like you said, a responsibility for our healing and the power of our free will. Like we have so much power within us and it's our choice to take it. It's our choice. We always have the choice. We even have the choice not to have the choice. It is our choice to heal. It is our choice to come out of this and really live life fully and embrace who we are and through God. And so again, it's, we always have the choice and so there's not much justice in the way life works but the justice comes down to the power you're given power of your free will and your choice to connect to god or connect to darkness or be the victim or be the light or you know like you always have the choice to to walk your path <laughs> absolutely yeah that's amazing. Do you have something else you'd like to share? Uh, I know I've done a lot of speaking here and uh, obviously you're such a, uh, your time is so valuable. So I'd love to see if there's anything else you'd like to share with, with the people listening today um, around healing from sexual trauma, sexual abuse, from physical, psychological or emotional level. 
Um, I can't think of anything press. I mean, there's oh, there's so much, <laughs> but obviously that I, I work with through with my clients. But um, I think it's just about the main thing is just know that you're not on your own. Uh, that, that there are people out there. There are people out there to believe you. There are no one knows exactly what it's like to have lived through your experiences, but people know what it's like to live to have lived through similar experiences. So we're not in your shoes, but we may have walked a similar path. Um, and so you're not on your own. There is help out there. Um, and just, I think the main thing is just be kind and gentle with yourself. I think, as you said, Deanna, it is a, a journey, not a des destination. You know, they talk about happiness being a journey, not a destination. It's the same with healing. And it's one of those funny things where just when I think that I've kind of come to as, as great as I'm going to be, something might crop up and I just have to do a bit more work. But it's always on a level up. I'm never back down to where I was previously. So it's always kind of just progressing up and up. Um, but the greatest relationship that you have is with obviously God and yourself. So um start there's just little things you can start doing uh, just a really quick one Deanne and then I'll, I'll shut up um every day we are in hypnosis because I run the Hampshire Hypnotherapy Clinic so I do do a lot of hypnotherapy at, at least twice a day um and it tends to be so it's that period of time if you've got wide awake being at the top fast asleep being at the bottom of a staircase hypnosis is that bit in between so if the alarm's gone off in the morning you've hit snooze you're drifting, you're daydreamy, you're in hypnosis. Same thing last thing at night, or it might be different if you do shift work. But um, when you're in hypnosis, when you're in those daydreamy, drifty states, you have direct access to your subconscious mind. And the wonderful thing about the subconscious mind is it doesn't know what's real from what isn't. So if you tell your subconscious mind that you love yourself, even if you don't necessarily feel it right now, it will accept it as truth. And the more you can tell your subconscious mind the things that it is that you want to think, feel, believe, know about yourself, the more it will then impact on your conscious thinking, which will then impact on your feelings and behavior. So even just you take away just one thing to every day to try and start to recognize when you're in those states, talk to yourself in a really kind way, give yourselves the things that you want to think, feel, believe, even if you think it's impossible. Um, it's their really powerful states to start using. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing this. And yeah, it's, it's definitely a really important tool. And, you know, as Christians, you know, there's this, this huge skepticism around hypnosis when it's actually a natural state. It comes down to how you use it. So for Christians, it would be this moment, for example, when you're in prayer, where you open your heart, you know, you slow down, you sort of slow down your, your body, you relax your muscles, your nerves, all that. So you can open up your heart and be more in your emotional being. So the subconscious mind is very much your emotional mind, the feeling part of you, the heart of your mind, you know, that talk feeling, you know, this, and this is what drives in also our thinking and therefore um, our emotions and therefore our actions. So when we talk about free will and taking responsibility, uh, the, the first, and it's, it's, it works together of think, feel, choose. And so, as you think, okay, I need to do something about it, then you're feeling, okay, this is moving forwards, and then you're choosing to pray, or you're choosing to speak to someone about it. So the first step is, like you say, is, I guess it's really coming into, for Christians, would be coming into this prayer mode of being like, Lord, help me. <laughs> I'm choosing to do something about this. And then next thing, you feel guided by the Holy Spirit to take the next step. As non-Christians, non-believers, you know, hypnosis is definitely a wonderful way as well to go to your therapist and be like, okay, let me shift my thinking, you know, move out of this guilt and blame and start taking back my power. So I totally think what you said is, is super vital to embrace, especially that moment in the morning when you wake up, when it's actually a very private moment with yourself and God. Um, you can choose to do hypnosis, you can choose to pray, you can choose to set intentions. It's a very sacred mo moment of the day, I believe. Um, and same at night when you, you know, give thanks or you reflect back or for Christians, you know, we repent, you know, okay, I could have done this better, I could have said this better, I could have expressed myself differently. So it's this constant uh, reflection upon how we live our lives and how to keep adjusting it. 
how we relate to ourselves, God and others, and what the, the story we write right, together. The story we write, absolutely. And what we make of the bad stories too, you know, like we, ha we, are, we are artists of life. We, this is the art of living is how can we take such a horrible story and make something beautiful out of it? I think that is the art of living is this is where justice is, is God has given us a power to, um, to have free will. And therefore we can make something beautiful out of a story, right? So just having that faith that we can that so something that I just reminded me something I I used a lot of motivation with images when I was going through my um, initial journey one of them was something like I can choose to um, it was about kind of defining you or I can choose to uh, you know just shine and I thought no I choose to shine this isn't going to define me I want I'm going to shine um, so uh, go on let your hair down and shine <laughs> let it all hang down <laughs> yeah and i think this is another massive one thanks for saying that because it is a huge thing for women in business who have been through sexual abuse it's this fear of actually being seen and being heard so by healing your trauma around sexuality which is you know the, the core of your being is inside of you right this is it's you it's your sexuality um and actually, you know, uh, you know, Christians talk about the body being a temple of the Holy Spirit and therefore sexual sin through abuse is it's actually inside your body, which is why it has such a massive impact on you. Right. So when you free yourself from that and then suddenly you feel safe again to be seen and to be heard, which allows you to connect with the world, which allows you to rise, you know, as a, as a leader and do what you're here to do. So I think it's super important to hear from sexual trauma so that, you know, as women, we can do what we're here to do. Like we have multiple purposes, just like we've got multiple orgasms, we got multiple purposes as a woman. <laughs> and therefore, yeah, it's, I think it's really key to, to do that. And if anyone out there is listening and you want to talk about sexual abuse, of course, you know, from a Christian perspective, you can talk to me. From you know more of a non-Christian perspective, speak to Bobby Joe. Uh, I'm a Christian. I still spoke to Bobby Joe, and he gave me a massive understanding, massive breakthrough. I think the Holy Spirit leads every conversation, and therefore there's nothing to fear about speaking to a non. You know, I don't. Even, are you Christian? I don't even know if you are. <laughs> I was raised Christian. Um, I'm kind of still. I have my beliefs, but I don't really do anything with them um so that's kind of the jury's still out i think with me and um and where i'm at with that but i, I believe in a god definitely yeah and, and so i felt like when we had this conversation it was completely led by the holy spirit because i had such a revelation it wasn't just interpretation it was a revelation and so i believe that if you're listening out there and you need someone to speak to around sexual abuse bobby joe is an amazing person to go to and i will share her contact details um on this um, podcast well you know in the comments and I think Bobby you also have like an online course or something like that you want to share more about the way you work with people around that topic or how can people like reach out to you or get in touch with you so the the best way actually is just through my you won't find I'm going through a whole kind of website update so there's not much about trauma on my website at the moment because I'm actually founded a generic clinic but a lot of the clients that come to me are um, have experience of trauma uh, so the best way is through the, my website which is um, you're going to share anyway I know but it's www.hhc which is for Hampshire Hypnotherapy Clinic so www.hchchypnotherapy.co.uk um, and there's a contact form on that site. Really, really happy to talk to anyone. Um, if anyone kind of just wants an initial chat, I offer a completely complimentary telephone discovery call at the beginning before I've been working with anyone. Or even if you just kind of got a couple of questions that you want to run through, that's the best way. Perfect, thank you. And so yeah, guys, if you're listening to this, I would definitely take up Bobby Joe on her offer. Um, honestly, if I brought her on today, it's because she really knows what she's doing and she's definitely the go-to woman um, for sexual abuse. Definitely speak to her and allow yourself to rise and shine in your power. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, thank you so much.
and thank you for all the value you've shared today. And yeah, we'll my pleasure. I hope it, it, it helps some people out there. Definitely. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. Thank you for staying with us. It's been a long podcast. So thanks for staying on board with the heavy topic and wishing you a beautiful day. I hope you find some joy in today's, uh, yeah, after this session. Maybe you, you may want to start writing. You may want to have a cry. You may want to have a hot bath. You may want to start detoxing your soul from whatever you've been through. So all the best with that. And do reach out if you need help. Lots of love, everybody. I love you. I really do. And see you next time. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, then please leave a five-star review on iTunes. Also, I would like to gift you a free 15-minute consultation over the phone. Please visit my website, fullyupodcast.com and message me to book it in today. <laughs>